0: Welcome to Highly Functioning, a show about exploring, understanding, and optimizing the mind from a non neurotypical lens. On this week's episode of Highly Functioning, we talk about the attributes and characteristics of sociopathy, Asperger's, and enlightenment. We talk about the attributes that are similar and the attributes which are different. Throughout the conversation, we touch on free will, emotional maturity, the all or nothing nature about the way that we think about the way we should act and how attributes can have positive and negative outcomes depending on the context of how it's applied. As always, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app. Follow us and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash functioning. And if you like our content, consider supporting us at highlyfunctioning.ca. There you'll find bonus content, Q&As, and be able to provide direct input on how you can change the show.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um I'm David. That's Winston, in case you didn't know, in case this is your first episode. Um, thanks for joining us. And today we're talking about an interesting topic that Winston doesn't even know why I'm bringing it up, so we'll see how this goes. I'm very excited. Um, the way I phrased it to Winston was autism versus sociopathy versus being enlightened. Um, the reason this is coming to mind, Um, There's two main reasons, but the one in particular, I was listening to an interview on TED Interviews. It was an an interview of Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she was talking about the pandemic, and she was saying if someone is not um, very emotional about the pandemic, they must either be a sociopath or an enlightened person, (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, oh, that's a really interesting juxtaposition. And it made a lot of sense to me, actually. And it made sense to me about my experience and, you know, some of the other discussions we'd had about autism being less emotional and things like that. So I'm really interested in exploring this and getting your thoughts on it. And the other reason is, I I don't know if you remembered, but I mentioned in the past, I think that you and I and perhaps other people with, uh, you know, perhaps on the autism spectrum, have what I'd call being like this experience of being hyper-present, right? So there's this idea if you're enlightened, you're grounded and present always. But like I was always so plugged into life, I was always present in one sense of the term, right? But I was also kind of very objective. I was able to be present and kind of disconnected at the same time. And so that really seems like an interesting comparison between, okay, what what are the features of a sociopath? What are the features of a so-called enlightened person? And what are the features of a stereotypical person with Asperger's or autism? And it all comes down to emotional detachment, right? And it's just some are supposedly healthy and some are supposedly unhealthy. But I find it really, really interesting. And I, I mean, I do find myself quite close to considering myself an enlightened person. I've had moments of, you know, these enlightenment moments or whatever it is and it's really fascinating to me and to be able to just kind of oh this is what's happening in the world I can't control it so I'm just going to look at it and act accordingly which you know I used to think I was a sociopath potentially and now I think I'm close to an enlightened person and there's not that much difference it's just the relationship I have the 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 connection I have but do not um I do not give full weight to my emotions. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the pitch, I suppose, of, of what I want to talk about and cover because I found it really fascinating. And it plugs into kind of a lot of the work I'm doing generally about and the work we're doing here generally about understanding the mind, understanding mindfulness, how to be, what is the right way to be. And, and you know, an enlightened person's, you know, in most people's view, that would be good, right? Um, And
0: I, like, initially when you pose that, that seems, like, really interesting to me. Um, But I think there's one sort of group of people that you missed out of that, um, which is I think there is a group of people, and I find myself starting to align a little bit with them as well and not knowing whether I'm closer on the autism spectrum or if I just align more with these people, which is the group of people that... um, it's like the classic person, the type A person in business who um, is essentially trained to be looking that way. And a lot of the time, and let me hold on, let me backtrack a little bit. The group of people are the people that probably had an experience early on in their life where they started to look at emotions as a bad as a bad thing for them. And so continually throughout their childhood or like throughout their adolescence, stop looking at things from an emotional lens. So I just mean a emotionally, an immature might not be the right word, but emotionally immature person who has spent so much time looking at things from a, like a pandemic or like a, a fire alarm type situation. So objectively that they just don't look at the emotional side as much. Um, And I think there is a subset of people who don't necessarily fit on the autism spectrum, um, or at least from my judgment, didn't seem like they fit on the autism spectrum, but still are very good at um, looking at things very objectively without the emotional element added to it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I would would definitely, like, that's who I picture in the realm of sociopath, right? Like, they're on that sociopath. Like, most people consider, or many people consider the most uh, like aggressive type, a successful businessman as somewhat sociopathic, right? Like, I, I don't know if that's true. And I don't mean, I, I, I try and differentiate. I don't know if this is a valid differentiation psychopath from sociopath. My mm-hmm. view is like psychopath is born. Sociopath is made. Um, okay. I Right. See.
0: Uh, and so that's fair because I, I find that, um, and I guess the jury's still out or maybe I just haven't, I just don't know the answer yet on this and that, um, there's that belief that that. I think one of the professions that most often psychopaths or sociopaths associate with is like a CEO or a managerial position. Uh, But I'd argue that some of them, of course, they might be that like psychopathic type that actually doesn't have a part of their body that can see the emotional side of things or put themselves in the other group of people. But more often than not, I've seen some people, at least in my experience, who have those tendencies or are really, really good managers. And it's not that they don't see the emotional side. They just don't pay attention to it. Um, yeah. And that was something I'm like I and I guess speaking from my own personal experience, I was a little bit a little bit like that um, because and this might be the growing up argument, but I looked at emotions as a young child thinking this can't be good because I only saw, the bad sides of things—the anger, the uh, the frustration, the stress—I never saw the good sides of what emotion can look like. So you mm-hmm. sort of just hide that away in this weird part in your psyche that you never actually pay attention to until you become older, more mature, and like have conversations like you have, you and I have, where we've where we've come there. Um,
1: right, but- and so and so that is the kind of point of this conversation, right? Is okay, so there are the people who are like on the autism spectrum who might have more difficulty with their emotions there's the sociopath who might just like choose hide it to, away choose to push it away because it's not valuable and then there's this idea of enlightenment which is yeah just accepting i mean their view is that all emotion is suffering like a buddhist view right mm-hmm. which is, i don't agree with right but like regardless there's this idea of if you're if you're totally enlightened you can just accept whatever comes with a with a steady heart and a peaceful mind or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. somehow that's good. But if you have that mentality and are a successful CEO, maybe that's not good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and, and then I
0: also and I can also understand like when you initially posed it, I automatically thought that was a I don't know if that's what the author initially thought about when they said it, but I could totally see how there's that person who doesn't have a emotional bone in their body or doesn't have the ability uh, more of I guess the psychopathic lens of um ability to look at emotion that probably be really good in a situation where there's emotions flaring and flying everywhere. And there's also the enlightened person who's just dealt with it so often. And like, you see that type, you see that type of person that um, like when everything's in pandemonium, they're like, Hey, like you do this, you do this. And they're like very level-headed and objective about the problem. Um, it's like almost the way I look at it is the person who like is trained and able to do that takes advantage of all the benefits of understanding the emotions of the place, understanding how to like, think about the way people are thinking. But then there's some someone who is psychopathic in nature, who has a shortcut to getting there, but has almost I look at it has like these side effects of not being able to understand it perfectly, because it's something that's always sort of given to them, or they only get one aspect of it and not the full picture.
1: Yeah, that I, think, sense? I think that makes sense. And it also like, let's call it the human element of it, of the situation, right? So it's like there are, I used to be able to very well throw me into any sort of chaotic situation and I could deal with the facts of the situation and optimize, but I wasn't able to empathize with the other people who were part of the situation, right? So I could solve it and I could come to the best conclusion and it's still the best conclusion that I'd come to now, but I'd be able to implement it much better now because I understand that not everyone can just snap to the right answer and that there are like each person has their value orientation. And so I can empathize with them. And I think the enlightened person um, like they, they can, we've talked about this before, like we, they can feel the emotion and then just not have it factor in versus Mm -hmm. like having such a quick trigger to deny the emotion and move forward.
0: And like, I think a good example of that is, like the leader in the room that's like basically points out the elephant in the room saying, Hey, I know we're all stressed out about this. I know this might go the wrong way or like essentially calms down some of those emotions that people are feeling because they understand the human side of things. And those essentially become like the best of the best leaders. Right. Mm. Um, And I find um, it's, it's funny that you like talk about the, like the psychopath versus the sociopathic lens and that I find um, with just the, like the, with just approaching a situation without the human element you tend to get those answers that like you see in a sci-fi movie where it's like the computer computer decides that the only way to solve this problem is to get rid of all the humans (laughs) you know what i mean like that's where that human element and it's the per and and that is a good dichotomy in showing what a ceo what they think about um is that ceo that's like forget forget the purpose forget the people forget the like helping others let's just focus on the straight profit motive of looking at things where it's like get rid of the humans you know um and I find we tend to have that trope and apply that trope I guess liberally on everything as opposed to just looking at the fact that I guess some people are just broken a little bit earlier on and just use the, the I guess the logic way of looking at things as a crutch to move forward in a society that helps you do that
1: yeah. And that's why I want to bring in sort of the aspect of exploring like the Asperger's uh, experience, like relative to these things, because like you said, how you're not sure if you associate more with one or the other. I, I associate with both. Right. I think it's like the combination that like I think what the autism or like, you know, potential Asperger's or whatever the impact it had on me is I just was more sensitive earlier on and noticed it earlier on and chose the wrong thing earlier on. Right. Mm-hmm. So the same way someone at age eight, 10, 12, 15 might decide emotions aren't that valuable. Uh, I'm going to be like a go-getter type a, and then they become this, uh, you know, almost sociopathic CEO. I just made that decision at age four because like I was more aware I would, there was more data, or whatever it was and and I just exacerbated it more quickly as well because it was just like the the processing speed was higher or something the feedback loop was more intense mm-hmm. so I think I was super super type A but I was the over the top aggressive because I didn't even have nuance in how to do it because I did it like very much as efficiency,
0: I was, efficiency, efficiency, right? Like, yeah.
1: I, I abstracted from the successful CEOs, what's the most successful? What are the fundamentals? Being a jerk based on like the media and stuff. That's what I interpreted. But then it's really interesting because I've, I found because I had certain mechanisms in place, now I've been able to much more quickly become the enlightened person because a lot of those neural pathways are similar right? Um, You know, even being confident in myself, being able to kind of walk my own path, whatever, like the the maverick who just like burns a trail and stomps over everyone. There are similarities to that path. And the enlightened person who walks his journey and doesn't care that everyone's like laughing at him and he's doing things they think is ridiculous. And it's just a different realm, but it's a lot of the same methodology I've found, which is really mm-hmm. fascinating. And so that's why I'm so fascinated in like the journey I'm on now, the type of person I'm becoming now and the person I was and how I developed that uh, in the past.
0: And like personally, like I, I, what you said there, I understand it so well. Cause I've, I've go, I've been through the same personal struggle and that's what I tried explaining a little bit before in that, like, it's almost as if you focus specifically on one specific aspect. Like there's there's a lot of parallels, but you focus so much on one specific aspect and that's the wrong way. Like it's when you don't think about things contextually, you only focus on one. You do get some benefits and it gets you to a certain certain height. Like you can still probably get to a, like a CEO position, right? But the best of the best that I've seen or the best leaders that I've seen haven't just focused on minutely what is the like the the dollars and cents of things they also understand the human aspect and they end up going 10 15x because they understand how to play with people's emotions they understand company culture they understand those things whereas it's not just about cutthroat like everybody's gunning for you you got to go gun for them Um, and i found it to be incredibly difficult because one of them is easier Right, like the being the one that burns everything along the path is so much easier, and it's probably more short-term rewarding, and that's the hardest part. Because I like even growing up, I went short-term rewarding all the time. Like I was like, I'm, and that comes from having, I guess, being emotionally immature growing up. And of course, that comes to like when we immigrated to Canada, it was like stress. Like, are we going back to war? Like all that stuff. Um, And now, like. When I try to be more of the other person that includes the human element, I find it hard. And so it's easy to switch back. And I had this conversation recently with like, it, with most of my friends. It's actually one of the biggest things that's on my mind is that I was like, oh, I was more successful when I was cold, angry, and obsessed. And because I could just burn through everything. And like, people would give me positive feedback. It was great, all that stuff. But I didn't feel very good intrinsically but i felt really good extrinsically and then when i switched over to try to get the human element talk to people understand people because humans are complicated and so much more extra work i don't see as much success now and because of that it's always eating at the side of your head like maybe i was wrong maybe i'm just telling myself that this is better and being cold and hard and all that stuff is good and i know it's the wrong answer but it's like the toughest thing to jump between um because like um you just feel like it's, it's like taking steroids to win a competition as opposed to actually working out. You could probably be good short term for one competition, but you're blowing up your life and your health. Um, and we see that all the time. The common trope is a, is a CEO that's super successful with all the money and fame, but has no friends, has no family, has no um, like real relationships.
1: So it's funny you bring that up. I just earlier today actually had, a, I had talked to Casey Palermo on on my show, the safe Oh no, on on drugs um, about steroids and that exact thing actually. Um, so that's interesting. But no, I definitely agree with that kind of sentiment. And I think that the 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 nagging part is one. Yeah, it, it takes a little. It's practice, right? You have to get used to and convince yourself that no, this is the better path. It doesn't happen immediately, and also you have to like, it's really, we've talked before about values, it's values to whom and for what, right? So that external reward, is it actually valuable being the CEO and having all of that money? Is it really valuable? Or do you want a life you enjoy? And that's one aspect of it. And I, and I think that's an important approach. And it's also the reason like, you know, I just tried to succeed, right? Like I knew what was good and I wanted to succeed and the current culture taught me success was most easily achievable through a certain lens, through a certain mechanism. And that doesn't mean it's the best, just because it's the easiest in this current culture. I want to create a different culture. I want a culture that's better. And so I need to take more time. I Like I could be much more explicitly successful if I just was the way I used to be, like it's mm-hmm. not even a doubt in my mind how much I could be making, I could be worth like. But no, it's it's not the type of life I want, and I don't think it's good, right? I'm much more. I would much rather be, the the CEO that's extremely supportive of his. Uh, Workers that like we do have a community element, we do care about each other, and we're all achieving our values together. That's even my approach with the contractors I have now, with the interns I'm hiring now. Like, I want to make sure we're all working together towards Mm -hmm. common goals rather than just crushing through and burning through and stuff. But I think, again, a big issue, a big aspect of it is you have to separate out like. Who we are, who I am from the ecosystem that currently exists. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yes. And and
0: we actually encourage, like, I guess, systemically or societally to be that sociopathic person, right? Like, we or the Asperger type person. Cause, like, when we and we create shows about this, right? And we love tuning into that content. Like, Sherlock is meant to be a high functioning sociopath probably one of the most successful stories in the English era uh, because we like the person who's so blunt who's so straightforward burns through his pat doesn't care about people's feelings because it's exciting because you get the result really quickly and we kind of like we kind of encourage it or now we have more of the Asperger trope where you get like house you get um, the good doctor you get those where Sherlock is nice and like I would argue Sherlock is probably not the like I don't know if he's a sociopath per se but like what we like is the fact that they do that, but we get to see a glimpse of their human side, right? We, we get to see that they actually do care. It's just they haven't matured enough to understand it. And part of the part of the role, or like when I start watching these shows, part of the natural um, arc that the story goes is that this person starts to understand that being the straightforward crash and burn, not crash and burn, but like scorched earth type person is not the best way to go. Like we see that with, uh, and I can think of, I guess, for the listeners, you can think of Harvey Specter from the, from Suits, um, House from House. <laughs> um, uh, I forget what the doctor is and Good Doctor, but all of them were trying to teach people. And we kind of like um, the earlier episodes where they are super blunt and the later episodes like, oh, that's not that interesting, even though that's probably what you should be doing. Right. <laughs>
1: Well, and I think it's a deep philosophical and so social issue question as to why that's the case. Why do people crave this and like it and what does it mean and, um, and that sort of thing. But I, I want to jump to how you think it relates to this idea and the comparison of, you know, what is an enlightened person, what is an ideal person, and, and they shouldn't be run by their emotions still. They should just be kind of calm with everything but it's just kind of, is it only a difference of implementation? Because I almost took took offense by her saying, like, either you're a sociopath or an enlightened person. And it's like, why do I have to be freaking out about the pandemic? Like, I don't understand. It's I like, it's a virus. The virus happened. And yeah, OK, it's bad. But now it's here. Like, why should I be freaking out about it? But like, that's the sentiment is like, no, you have like, but That seems to be the sentiment about everything all of the time now. How are you not in chaos mode about this thing Trump said, that thing Trudeau said, like, ah, right? And it's like, I think there's a lot of value to be less frantic, less emotional. But again, I
0: also see an overcorrection, right? Like stoicism is super hot right now, which is don't react at all. And um, we tend to have this. And it's funny, I actually talked to a therapist about this, which is, We have these black and white, all or nothing arguments for things that we do, which is like it is either you have to be running like a a chicken with his head cut off or you have to be completely calm and compliant for everything. And there's no like there's no there's no in between. It's like you got to walk out of the building. It's like, okay, maybe you can do a brisk walk like it's no in between when when a fire alarm goes off. Um, And I like if you asked me about the qualities and I think what is the like the good human being, I think human beings like there is a middle ground there, and I don't want to just create that pithy line of like everything is just in the middle, and like it's just you you just end off with this half answer. Um, but I find that like if I had to be really honest, it's one of the hardest things to do in terms of being able to manage both the emotional and the straight up facts, objective oriented nature of being a human being. Because, and I think it's especially hard to do as a single human being without a group around you. Because um, the reason being is we have an ability to fool ourselves like no one else. It's really easy to fool yourself with your, like how you're feeling emotionally, with what's going around you environmentally. And I think it's really important to have a group of people around you that can sort of set you straight or help you navigate those emotional and I guess objective nature around you to help like implement yourself as the best person. Does that make sense? I can, I can tell by your face, you completely disagree, but uh, I'd love to hear it.
1: I I guess it makes sense generally, but I definitely disagree with the latter part of that perspective. Um, I, I do think like, you know, my understanding, and this isn't firsthand, but it's, you know, what I've read through objectivism and been exposed to generally, is that the prevailing philosophies for hundreds of years actually propose that there is a disconnect between emotion and reason or between soul and body. Basically, since Descartes, which was like, I don't know, in the 1600s or something, all of the major philosophers actually proposed that these things are not connected. And so you have an entire culture that teaches us it's not connected. And so it is very hard to be integrated. It's the hardest thing I've ever encountered. And right now, I don't know if I've mentioned you before, but it's like the pendulum of emotion and reason that used to swing like this into like depression, anxiety. Now it's like, it's going back and forth like so much because I'm trying to be integrated. But it's like I have to run both things all of the time. It's very bizarre. But- at,
0: at larger At larger scale, I also think... We either focus so much on personal responsibility, pick yourself up by the bootstraps, or we focus specifically on blame the other person, the system is flawed, nothing about it is my fault. And we jump between both of those when there's something in the middle where it's like, yeah, I I think as human beings, we can look at a system and be like, oh, the system's unfair or the system's flawed or puts out the wrong outcomes. And we can also look at ourselves and be like, okay, the system might be a little bit screwed up, a little bit, but you had the ability and the responsibility to change the way that outcome could have manifested, and you didn't take it. And right. like we, and that's what I sort of meant by, in order to be that best person, you of course need to have the personal responsibility of like combing through your emotions, uh, understanding how to take in facts and variables, and uh, like what's the best way to act. But you also. Um, can rely on people around you to help create the best environment for you to be your best self and we don't like that answer it's either we are completely determined by the group of people around us or it is all just you and you are the responsibility for everything and i think there's i think there's somewhere in there where we've sort of lost track or haven't found out that there's um, like we as human beings live as groups um and we don't pay attention to it
1: So there's a lot there. There's three different things I need to touch on. So one is, you know when that when you have so much that it bottlenecks? So one is I don't agree that we need others to kind of help us be ourselves and figure it out. Because if no one f- figured themselves out, what would we be teaching each other? It's actually the individuals who look inward, who figure out themselves, who then help other people. And so it's to the degree someone is more balanced than you, that's to d- that's the degree to which they're helpful to you, right? And so I definitely don't buy into this idea that I used to strongly, I used to think, okay, if I had a thousand people near me and I average out everyone, then I'll come out the best because I'll have understood each the issues with each one. I don't think that's true. I think that's a a false view. Um, Can I make
0: a caveat before you jump into number two? Because I I don't think we actually disagree that much there uh, in that what I just mean is that not that you can't do it yourself. But I found that there's some issues, at least my personal experience, it might be wrong, like you can let me know if that's not the case. But I found that there might be something that I am dealing with or a problem or a, a crutch that I'm doing in the way that I act or treat others around you, something that I have to fix in myself. And it took longer for me to figure it out myself when if I had just been paying attention to the closest and most honest friends of mine they could have pointed it out to me easier because I fooled myself for a lot longer than I could fool them. Do you get what right. I'm saying? Where someone I, could tell I, you, hey, you're, you're, you're taking X out on other people. And I don't notice it till six months later, eight months later, I was like, wow, I was a dick. Uh, but they themselves at that moment knew that I was doing that. And I just meant that like it's important to have systems around us where we have honest conversations, where we have um, like, where, where we can tell each other when we're straying off in the wrong direction. And with us, right, like there's a lot of things that I like to believe that over the course of like 10 years or over the course of a number of years, I still at some point are going to get better and better and be a good person uh, or be the best version of myself. But I think I've sped that along much quicker by having friends like you who are like, oh, like Winston, you have this weird way of looking at the world that's probably wrong. Like you should test that out or look at that out. And I've been able to uncover that or fix that problem Much quicker being a friend of yours than if I had to go through multiple textbooks, talk to different people, like, you know, um, go through a bunch of shit. And like we talked about this and this come up a few times where you're like, you're impressed with where I am now uh, in terms of like my mental headspace and what I'm doing. And I attribute that a a lot to the friend groups and the like the systems around me that I've cultivated of people who are on this same journey. And we've created this social contract where we'll be honest with each other if we find that we're straying off. And we won't be mean, we won't be rough, we won't do any of those things. And that's helped me become that better person. And so that's all I mean. I don't mean that I can't get there by myself. I just think that um, having a good cultivated group around you is a faster way of getting there.
1: I think you have it totally backward. The reason you have a good group around you is because you're a certain type of person, right? Because you've cultivated certain things in yourself, you attract those kinds of people, right? And to the degree that like, I'm able or anyone else is able to help you, it's because we've advanced and it's like we're further along that path than you are or whatever it is. And this is building in two assumptions that I think are false, but I still wanna get back to my other two points. Um, It's building in a couple assumptions that are false. And I think again, it's kind of, okay, what's the difference between a sociopath and an enlightened person? Because the sociopath wouldn't surround themselves with people who'd help them correct themselves because they wouldn't be open to that correction, right? And I think what it comes down to is if, if I can tell you something or your girlfriend or someone can point something out to you before you recognize it yourself, that's just because you're not as honest with yourself as you should be. You're not as slow with yourself as you should be, right? That's what it comes down to. Because for me, it's frustrating actually that none of my peers can actually give me much feedback That's I've not, figured it out on my own because I really slow myself down. I really pay attention and introspect and try and understand what's going on and that's just practice and and the the other issue is you're assuming the default mode of a human is broken and they and I'm not saying you explicitly but this is I think implicit in what you're saying that the default mode is somehow broken and we need to we need help to correct it. But no, the like the the default mode is integrated, and we and so it's about returning to that. That the starting point is our mind is integrated, our reason and emotions are integrated, and then we learn to separate this. And so it's about kind of I think that's the the proper framing is like no, there is an integration. Like that is we our we are integrated. We're not like reason or emotions. We're both right. And so I think like. I think you're having a lot of the kind of causation flipped actually. Um, See, the, ma- the main, the
0: main, and like, we can, of course, we we can choose to disagree here, then move on to the next point. Um, but like, That's okay the reason the, the the, and of course, I'll go back and think about this. Like, this is the good part about having friends like you, right? Like you test my, you test my ability. You're not afraid to say things. And then I'll go back and I might come back and be like, David, you're right. What the hell was I thinking? But um, for me, I guess my experience tells me that, um, like, part of the reason why I didn't look at emotions that much is because of the environment that I was at, I was in when I was younger. Mm. And as a child, I didn't have a choice, right? Like, I couldn't leave that environment. Like, if you're six and you're going through stuff, um, like, you can't just leave your parents and go on and do your own thing. Like, that's just, that's usually a bad decision. Um, uh, but, like, that's why I find that, like, as you grow up and stuff, like if you talk to a lot of therapists, they'll say one of the most important things is your childhood because it's really formed the way that you look at the world. And that's what I tend to say where I'm like, with you, I find that maybe you did a lot of that yourself. And you've told me about some friend groups that you had to let go of, things like that. And I give myself my personal responsibility in that I wanted to cultivate this group. So I did the things that I wanted to do. But I also think I would be amiss if I didn't also say I got lucky, right? Like, I was pretty lucky to be born in a situation where I could get out of a civil war. Like I was pretty lucky uh, and in my, it's like, luck is preparation mixed with, uh, mixed with opportunity. But I would say there are certain elements of it where I attribute the groups of people that I had to being able to go through situations much quicker. It's like, I don't really ascribe to the idea that, and I tend to do this all the time. Where it's like, I must go through this myself. And for a lot of cases, that's true. But there are things where I could use the help of others and I say no to them because I've held that as an ideal. And this has sort of been like I guess it's a repetitive um like theme that I keep saying, where it's like sometimes we make it harder on ourselves than it needs needs to be when we can rely on the groups of friends that we have or groups of or relationships that we have to get through things much quicker, much more efficient, much better.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying they're of no value, but they're definitely not the primary. And and I think there's a couple other flawed premises in what you just said as well but um i want to get back to the other two topics um i'm very proud i successfully held in the side of my mind by the (laughs) way Um, because i do want to still talk about this kind of the the broader contrast um because you mentioned yeah like how people will kind of like there and both both come down to again this false dichotomy which i think uh is captured in this idea of either your x or y right um one is you said that you know people either think you need to uh what was the second part the first part was like you know they just blame the system oh the system's so bad or i just like kind of
0: or they just think everything is a, as a result of personal responsibility. Like the, right. even and- if there's a system that is so unfairly treated against one person, they say, oh, but like if you work hard enough, you can get out of the system. And that's true. But that doesn't take away the, uh, the importance of looking at that system and saying that it's broken. Do you get what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. And so I I agree. And I think, again, this comes down to the idea of what would a sociopath do? What would an enlightened person do? A sociopath in a broken system would just try and burn through the system and hope they don't get in trouble, right? And then it's a matter of, okay, some people can do that and some people can't. And that's where this kind of idea of white privilege and whatever else comes from. It's because, oh, if you take a sociopathic approach, probably I can do it more successfully than some other people, right? But Or you just learn the rules of the game
0: and you just optimize to the best degree and you don't care if things are unfair or fair. Um, You just care about baking it the best for you.
1: Right, and that's the proper enlightened approach, right? The approach is, okay, here is something I do not currently have control over. I have to accept it. I cannot change this. I don't, and even if it's unjust, even if it's bad, I don't need to have a hissy fit about it. I don't need to freak out about it and just emotionally... Like, try, like as if that will help fix the situation. I can recognize it as a problem, even if it's a major problem, even if it's a horrible problem. I have to accept with it. I have to accept it as a state of the world, if it is in fact a state of the world, and then work to change it rationally and objectively. And that's the only proper approach. And that is what people don't do. They think either you ignore it and just move forward or you... Like just rail at the system and don't try and accomplish anything with it. Um, exactly,
0: you hit the nail on the head. It's the I think the difference between an enlightened person and, and someone who's like I, I think we're making broad strokes with the whole sociopathic argument as well, but is that they change the system along the way? Like we hear about people who like who might have grew, grown example. up during slavery times, right? Like I don't know if anyone's seen the movie The Banker, right? Um, and if you haven't seen it, it's on Apple TV. Great show. Um, and I'm not going to get too much into it. But uh, it's about two black folks who are in a completely unjust system trying to create a bank in Texas during like key, um, key segregation times. Uh, and they understand the system's flawed. They understand these are some things that we're going to have to like jump over and hurdles. And they go through it and they decide that we want to change parts of the system while we're there. That's why we're doing this. Um, and that's fair. That's a that's an enlightened person, or a uh, an enlightened might be again for broad strokes here. But yeah, um, okay. it's it's a person who's doing the right thing versus someone who's just like I'm going to side with um, the party of Nazi Germany and just use them as a way to get my own interests, and then not try to change anything along the way.
1: Uh, or someone, many people now they just yell about how the system is unfair. Yeah, exactly. And they don't do anything because they're too overwhelmed with their emotions. They think that if they just say things are bad, then it'll magically change, right? But that doesn't happen. You have to take action. You have to change things.
0: And sometimes that's where we hear about us like letting go of our morals or becoming more of that, less of that enlightened person where it's like, Oh, the system is like you hear it in politics, or you hear it in like um, huge systems of like power or huge hierarchical, hierarchical business systems, I guess. Where it's like you just have to burn people along the wake, and that's just that's the only way to get to the top. And I need to do that, and I can't bring people with me, you know. And, and that's, luckily, that's changing for some newer organizations and stuff, and people are starting to change their view. But that's been the that's been the idea. It's like you have to let go, you have to dance with the devil in order to um, like. Be part of these systems,
1: right? And I think I think that's just wrong, right? And I, <laughs> yeah. Fair. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and and this brings me to the last point as well that the, the the most fundamental issue that's that's at play here in in individuals' approaches and in kind of like the culture at large is a topic we we'll, we're planning to eventually do a full episode on, which is free will, right? Because the it's nature versus nurture. Are you a product of your environment or are you a product of your genes? Is it all just, you know, you're lucky to be born where you are and you get whatever you get? Or, oh, well, you happen to be impacted by this culture and this business and this political system. And the answer is neither. The answer is we are (laughs) thank you. (laughs) We have free will and we get to decide how to act. We get to decide what choices we make. And that includes this issue that we started on is. How do I want to handle my emotions? So there's a pandemic. I don't want to freak out about it. I remember when there was when Trump first got elected, you know, there was this thing. He's apparently like ripping Mexican children out of their parents' arms and throwing them in cages. Um, Okay, that's not exactly what was going on. But regardless, it was just in the news for like one week out of the it was in the rolling queue of Trump outrage headlines. Yeah. And I remember my friend being outraged at me that I was not outraged about this thing. And I was like, my outrage will clearly that's bad. I don't agree that Mexican children should be (laughs) ripped from their parents, but I don't need my emotional life to be like attached to every news story and every bad thing that's happening in the world or in Trump or whatever. Right. And That's my choice. I'm, it didn't used to be. I used to not be able to control it and I had stunted my emotions. And that was the more, let's call it, sociopathic part. But at this, at that point and at this point, I still see value in carrying my emotions for the most part in a a similar way. I have a more personal connection with them now, I have the ability to feel them when I want. But I choose to not feel them all the time I choose to not let them overwhelm me and run my life. And that's my choice. And the same way I can choose how to act the same way and that's the thing I can control how my mind works I can it's not like this it takes practice and stuff, but all of this stuff, it's, how do I want to be. What relationship do I want between my rational side and my emotional side? What relationship do I want with a broken system and my own abilities and all of this stuff? And that, again, is apparently just totally denied in a lot of the current culture, the current literature. People like the, the intellectuals, apparently, who influence a lot more than the average person thinks, they don't believe in free will. like yeah. yeah. Like, Science, it's, it's heavily deterministic, and then you can't get anywhere, and then it makes sense that people blame everything else because they don't even think they can blame themselves because they didn't choose, they're just a product of their environment or, or whatever.
0: And I, I think that's, it's like, and tell me if this is, this might be a little bit tangential, but it's like, you have an internal locus of control, which is that I attribute things that might go wrong with myself but you also, that's not just good. If you have an internal locus of control, you um, just think everything is your fault. And if you have an external locus of control, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, is you think everything else is like, a, a, everything external to you is, it's not your fault, it's someone else's fault. But an internal locus of control is better, it's good. But it is also dangerous unless you have a good idea of what you can and cannot change. And then that- blame things that have nothing to do with you on you, you are going to have- problems with anxiety. You're going to have problems with things consistently feeling like they're going wrong and you have nothing to do about it. Um, and that's the, that's the difference. And there's a middle ground there and there is a, it's not one or the other. It's another all or nothing, um, I guess, definition that we create.
1: Well, and it's, that's really interesting because now we're getting like free will is a pretty like fundamental, like philosophic issue. And then you just touched on an even more fundamental one, which is like the primacy of consciousness versus the primacy of existence, right? And some people think it's all one or all the other. But I, I really recommend that you and any listeners read an essay by Ayn Rand called The Metaphysical Versus the Man-Made. And it's a full article exploring that phenomenon. How do you know what you're in control of and what you're not in control of? And that's the most important thing you have mm-hmm. to understand, because oh,
0: you don't know when to act. You don't know when to when to act and when not to act. So you don't know where you can actually um, change things, where you can create a difference. And, and, and at it's
1: that point, you're just issues, being at straws
0: if you don't understand that well.
1: And and people have issues with both, right? Thinking, oh, they can't control anything. Or they can control everything, and then they're just dejected that they didn't fix the world like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a really interesting concept, and it's one of the like most deep philosophical issues, um, which is really interesting. And then it's like when you actually know you're in control, in full control of your mind, and how you even like use your mind, then that's when I became interested in these issues because it's like, oh well, yeah, I need to know how do I. What is the right way to decide how my mind works? And most people just don't think they have that control. Which is again, that's what br- it, it brings me back to the the like the the answer or whatever that this this author gave. It's like again, it's like okay, either I'm a sociopath or an in an, an enlightened person. What if I've just decided to not freak out about something <laughs> I don't have control over, mm-hmm. right? Um, but like no, and not, it seems. Not that- possible.
0: And couldn't have said it by myself. Um, and it seems that we've landed where it's that... And tell me if you disagree anywhere in this. It's that there are elements of sociopathy that are that are good or that are desirable. And the key message is understand that they are desirable characteristics in specific scenarios. And there are other things that are, that are also required in order to become that enlightened person. So the difference is that um, the being a sociopath is only a sliver without context of what an enlightened person or a an idea of a good human being looks like. Is that yeah, fair? I'd,
1: I'd, I'd essentially agree with you. And I think that was what was really interesting on my journey is I like, you know, I woke up at 24, didn't like myself at all, tore everything down, started to rebuild myself and realized, oh wait, there were some really good things I built into my life my integrity i was very principled my bl- blunt honesty i didn't have tact i didn't implement these things appropriately because i didn't have the human element and i was too matter of fact about it but the things that i was dis- i was kind of uh i was denigrated for um are still things I think are extremely important. And I think, again, of Ayn Rand's characters, um, you know, in in her novels, some of the people are like labeled as, you know, what we'd call sociopaths, but only by people who don't actually take the time to understand their motives and what they're about. And I think that's the same. Some people still view me negatively um, and with old labels and stuff because, People don't want you to be black or white. People don't want you to be principled. People don't want you to walk your own path. And so, even if I'm walking my own path slightly more gently, if it rubs them the wrong way, oh, I must be like a sociopath or whatever. But mm-hmm. I do- sometimes
0: there are terms of, uh, I guess the terms to shut you out, right? Like it's like, I'm gonna call this person this and now everything that he does is going to be framed this way. Uh, and if it seems like if he makes a hard decision, you you just attribute it to sociopathy as opposed to calculated right. <laughs> calculated and good decisions that, that and, prioritize long-term over short-term.
1: And what I think is the kind of the uniting point for me as is often a uniting point is the idea of values, right? life is about the pursuit of your values. And so, uh, you know, the stereotypical sociopathic type or the, you know, burn bridges, CEO type, they are pursuing what they think are values. And they're trying to figure out the best tools to achieve their values. And the odds that they got it all wrong is probably unlikely, right? Mm-hmm. They just have the wrong approach, they maybe have the wrong view of what they should be achieving and stuff. But and or they like,
0: built a crutch that they that is working, and you're just tapping that button consistently, like, right. like you know what I mean? And it's like, why would I look somewhere else? It's a sunk cost fallacy. Like, if you made it to right. like a mid level manager just doing this, and now you have to completely turn your life around and start back as an analyst, you, like, it's hard for you for you to make that decision, even though it's probably a decision you should make.
1: Right. Um, and and so and what? One, it, sorry, go ahead. What it comes down to is, you know an enlightened person or someone who's trying to be like honestly and deeply the best person they can be, it's still about pursuing those values. And I think there are important things to understand from these A-types who achieve their values. Why do they? Like, they tend to be pretty straightforward. They tend to be very rigidly principled, very independent in their judgment, very productive. They pursue the values they want and they create things to help them achieve those values. Those are all good traits. Just, you know, what is it? The baby and the bathwater. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So Mm -hmm. it's really, I do think the the point you brought up of like understanding what value, quote unquote, there is to get from that approach, um, I think it's actually very astute. Um,
0: And I think like, and this might be preliminary, but I think if you have someone who's like a sociopathic person, like you could probably, for the most part, change them into an enlightened person by adding things as opposed to taking things away. Um, like there might be some things that they're doing of course that you have to take away and that's what I meant by preliminary but um, some of the, like the human elements and stuff once you add those in there like they tend to become a pretty good functioning like productive person.
1: And it's also a really negative feedback loop once you're that type of person right I know it was for me. I didn't value the human element and none of the human elements valued me. So there was never, it literally just took one person I really cared about asking me why I behaved the way I did. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good question. Let me explain it to you. Right. And I had thought about it. I had reasons. And then only when someone was open and they didn't just label me a sociopath, oh, this guy is useless. Only when I started to reflect and have the idea of oh, well, why do I have this? Why do I think this is the case? Oh, maybe it could be different. And whether that's exposed through a a piece of art or a book or a person you meet. But I think people are so dismissive of those types that like, then they just get trapped in that, right? And and even if they're not successful, there's many of that type of person who kind of gets trapped in that cycle and doesn't ever have the exposure to to question themselves to understand um, and that sort of thing.
0: And like, I guess personal experience wise, I, I can totally see that where like I've had moments where people would ask me like, Hey, why are you so angry? Or why are you so like, why do you, um, or why are you so, okay, what, what is it like Hammering <laughs> uh, hammer and nails about, about certain problems? And I said, Hey, like if I'm any, if I'm anything else, you don't respect me or you don't give me as much time of day. And so if you had to ask me what negative feedback loop, but like, t- t- like you said, and you tell me this negative feedback look, lo- loop loop. I would tell you i don't care because i would rather i would rather be productive and and like uh i would rather be re- productive and like have some of those good qualities than go through all that work and that's the wrong decision right
1: right and that's and, why
0: and one other thing on uh the the asperger's front i just find that like they i guess the profile of and profiles always change with people who have asperger's but i just find that they just been given a different set of traits Or like if you think about like, and I almost look at this like gaming, like, you know, when you have a character and you can like bring up their attack points and their defense points or whatever. Like, it's like they just have, um, they are more specialists in that they might be a lot better at one thing, but there's something that they really lack on. Um, And it's just, it's even harder for them because it's easier to go in the, and focus on that strength and get stuck in it. Do you know what I
1: mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I agree, and I think, like for me, the answer for all of this is always focus on the values, right? If you're both, like in in your own life, and if you're talking to someone who you know is misguided in one way or the other, in any of the ways we've covered today. Um, talk to them about what they're trying to achieve. Because even if they don't think they have free will, and I mean, most people do sort of think they have free will, but like they're choosing to pursue something for some reason. If you can talk to them about that, if you can focus on that rather than the nature of their conduct or whatever, that's the most important thing, right? It's, it's about understanding why they're pursuing what they're pursuing. And if you see, say, yes, that's a rational, valid and important value but maybe like try this way.
0: Maybe you took the wrong turns, and this this might sound almost kindergartenish, but it's like don't call them names <laughs> and and don't judge them when they give you an answer you don't like, uh, and, and you talk really to them about it. And that's the most important thing, because if you'd be like, "Yep, you're a sociopath," and just walk away, they're never going to change, um, and they'll just keep smacking that button. Um, getting and, the external like motivation. From personal
1: experience, like it wasn't until I was 24 that that happened to me, and it changed my life. That one person didn't just call me a asshole, but actually asked me why am I behaving the way I'm behaving. Yeah. And then I told them, I, I wasn't hiding it. Just no one had asked. Everyone had just always told me I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to listen to them if they think I'm wrong and not pursuing good values and that kind of stuff, right?
0: And I know we're going over time, but I can, I even see it when you talk about it. Like I can see it in your face. It's an emotional thing. It's like, why didn't someone do that to me earlier? Like I would have wished that I'm more like, that. I was more like this in my early 20s than like like why didn't it happen earlier? And like I can see it emotionally on your face. Like why didn't someone ask me? So yeah, I'm glad that someone did.
1: Yeah, me too. So and ask again, other
0: people. Like, you Want more why, emotional,
1: Davids. <laughs> that's why. Uh, that's why I was really kind of like insulted by this comment. I really liked the one book by the author, right? And she said this, and I was like, I'm not a sociopath, but I guess maybe I'm an enlightened person. But it's like, no, I'm I'm just like not there yet. Oh, the master, he? <laughs> right? Like, and I right. So I, There we
0: go. We got an episode. <laughs> yeah. Cool, awesome, David. Anything, anything else you want to add?
1: No, that's it. That's all from me. How about you?
0: I'm good. That was great. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, yeah, and I really hope to hear from uh, listeners what they thought about this and and where they are on the. It's a new spectrum. There's all we're all about <laughs> spectrums these days. Sociopath to enlightened person. That's the new spectrum. Where do you fall?
0: <laughs> Sounds good. All right, David. Talk to you soon.